Good morning. It's Monday, December 6, 2021. I'm Herb Morgan, Chief Investment Officer here at Efficient Market Advisors. This is my weekly economic and market commentary for the week beginning today, December 6, 2021. Of course, you can follow me intra-week on LinkedIn, just Herb Morgan, or on Twitter at ETF strategist.com. This is available as a presentation with slides for those who subscribe or download from our website. For those who prefer to listen only, we are available as a podcast on all the major podcast uh, formats. And the title is Slaying Bulls and Bears. Presentation is prepared by me for use with investors and financial advisors. Each are expected to make their own investment decisions. Nothing contained in the presentation is investment advice, nor should it be treated as such. There are no recommendations for the purchase or sale of any securities. Everything is for informational purposes only. Its adequacy, accuracy, or completeness cannot be guaranteed. An interesting week in equity markets last week, you can see that the uh, domestic equities down significantly in the case of small and mid-cap and down a little over 1% in the case of the S&P 500. It was quite a volatile week. Um, this was on renewed concerns of the coronavirus with a new variant, the Omicron, labeled the Omicron variant of the virus, which we don't know yet whether or not it will be tapped down by existing vaccines or we need to come out with, with better and stronger vaccines, new forms of the vaccine. We don't know yet whether or not it will result in lockdowns, shutdowns, change in consumer behavior from services back to goods, as an example. Um, but uh, nonetheless, we did have a down week in equities. The other thing that's affecting equities right now is a realization that the Federal Reserve, even by the Federal Reserve at this point, that they have been behind the curve in, um, on inflation, and there will be a need to either taper, either both perhaps taper faster than previously anticipated and or hike rates sooner than anticipated. But this sell-off last week, if I had to apportion the move, I would say it was 80% related to a risk-off trade related to new information on the Omicron variant. That sent interest rates uh, down significantly on the U.S. 10-year, um, which uh, caused, obviously, some sell-off in equities as, uh, as well. Okay, let's get into the economic data last week. There was lots of it because it was the beginning of a new month. Let's start with pending home sales. They rose 7.5%. The estimate was for 1%. So clearly, there is not a let-up yet in this rally in residential real estate prices and volume uh, as investors seek to take advantage of large amounts of liquidity, readily available financing, and of course, uh, you know, an abundance of, uh, or excuse me, a lack of an abundance of supply. House prices continued to rise, although not as much as anticipated. A modest, nine, modest, it's a high number, nine-tenths of a percent in September, according to the FHFA house price index. And they are up a, an, an astounding almost 18% on a year-over-year -year basis. The Case-Shiller home price index tells an almost identical story. By this index, we were up 0.9, also below expectations. Um, and almost 20%, 19.05% on a year-over-year -year basis in residential real estate. This obviously aids Americans' balance sheets, which aids Americans' willingness to consume. Uh, more home equity means uh, some of that can be translated into spending, both on the home itself, 
improvements, expansions, et cetera, or just other forms of uh, consumer spending. Speaking of the consumer, we got con the conference board's reading of consumer confidence. It fell again uh, to 109.5, a little bit below estimates. Present situation fell, the uh, expectations component fell. And when you look through the data and through the report, what you see is it's generally a concern about rising prices, about inflationary pressures in the economy, and a Federal Reserve that seems to be at this point have made a policy mistake, have now recognized that policy mistake, by the way, in, in Chairman Powell's speech, speech before both the House and the Senate last week. So it'll be interesting to see what sort of action is taken at their December board meeting. We got into some manufacturing data, as we always do at the beginning of the month. Let's start with the November Chicago, which is a regional purchasing managers index. Um, it fell quite a bit, but it's still at almost 62, 61.8 was below expectations, um, but that's still a very high number. Anything above 50 signals expansion. So 61.8 says still significant expansion in the manufacturing sector. We got a national reading from Marquette. It fell ever so slightly from 58.4 to 58.3, just a tad again below expectations, but also again, 50, Expansion and contraction, we say that's a pretty good month. Anything in that high 50s, very good expansion in the manufacturing sector. The big daddy, the ISM, or Institute for Supply Management, PMI, rose from 60.8 to 61.1, right in line with the 61.2 estimate. New orders above 60, production rose above 60, and employment, still an expansion, not massive, but 53.3. What to me is the most fascinating uh, piece to look at is this. I've been showing you this for the last few months, and for those that don't remember, I'll just remind you. Let's start with the red bars. Those are recessions. Typically, when you come out of a recession, you have low inventory. That's the orange line. The orange line represents inventory. If you look to the right of your screen, you can see it's at a multi-decade low. Backlog of orders are usually high coming out of a recession. This is why you get an accelerated growth rate. You have lots of demand, little inventory. The growth rate accelerates coming out of a recession as companies seek to you know, meet demand, come back, bring back production, et cetera. Well, the gap between the two here, as I mentioned in previous months, is the biggest I've ever seen coming out of a recession. The backlog in orders, was did get a little relief you can see in the upper right it's down a little but at the expense of inventories inventories are getting further and further depleted they're certainly hurt by supply chain challenges and issues which we do not see resolving quickly we see them resolving but very very slowly with fits and starts related to covid related shutdowns particularly in asia where there's essentially a zero tolerance policy and they're willing to shut down an entire seaport over a single case of the coronavirus. And of course, all of that is quite inflationary. Uh, so we got the report last month on vehicle sales, still you know, very depressed, not because of a lack of demand. Typically, we run 17 million annual vehicle sales, new vehicle sales in the United States. We are running now about a little below 13, and that was below estimates. This is you know, entirely related to uh, supply chain issues, getting parts, 
uh, getting them to market. Uh, as you've heard me mention before, I'm coming up on the one year anniversary, it will be one year next month, that I have been on the waiting list for a Chevrolet Corvette. Okay, let's turn to the labor markets for a second. Initial jobless claims are at a great number, 222,000 is below the estimate of 240. Uh, I'm gonna spare you the California story this week. Uh, continuing claims fell from 2.06 to below 2 million, that's good. Um, we're seeing that obviously the initial claims are, have been disproportionately uh, located in the Golden State of California. There was a mixed message from the jobs report last week, and this bears talking about as we get to the BLS report. But I'm going to start with the ADP report. It was a great number. They say that private payrolls grew 534,000. That was above the estimate of 525. We saw big ads in, from small firms, medium firms, large firms, service sector uh, was, was, did great, 424,000 jobs. This is on top of a big gain in October. So this report was just fantastic. However, then you get the BLS non-farm payrolls report, and it says that payrolls only grew 210. We had estimated 550. Uh, why the difference? What's going on? Well, uh, interesting, uh, 546,000 was from the establishment survey. The Bureau of Labor Statistics does two surveys every month. Uh, one is the establishment, where they survey businesses, which they call establishment. The other is household, where they survey people and say, did you get a job? Are you looking for a job, et cetera. Typically, those two surveys kind of follow along the same path, and the numbers tend to, you know, get similar over time. This was a massive gap, unlike anything I've ever seen. The household survey, the statistical methodology derived from the survey, suggested that the U.S. added 1.15 million jobs, not 210,000 that they got from the establishment survey. So everybody on, in the street, economists, were all scratching their heads. We think, based on the ADP number, based on the low continued claims, initial and continued claims for unemployment, that the real number is probably uh, somewhere in that five to 600,000 range, which is why the market wasn't particularly panicked about it. Although I love the fact that the media had a field day with it. That's how they roll. Uh, we also saw in this that the unemployment rate fell to 4.2% from 4.6. You don't get a drop like that by only adding 210,000 jobs. We saw a pickup in participation. So in reality, my view is this report was excellent. There's some statistical anomaly uh, on that headline number from the establishment survey. Contained where in there, of course, we get the average hourly earnings. We saw them on a real basis go up three tenths of a percent, and they're up 4.8 on a year over year basis. This is excellent. This is what you want to see in an economy with high demand, high profitability. You want to see gains uh, in wages. So this is positive news as well. Moving on from manufacturing to services, recall services is 85% of our economy's manufacturing is only about 15. Here, the services PMI from Marquette dropped ever so slightly, it beat expectations. It's still a high number, solid all the way around. ISM just, I, I didn't, I don't think I've ever seen a number this high, quite frankly. I'd have to go back and look. 66.7 to 69.1, just about 70 
This is a result of continued reopening. Now, of course, this all happened before the Omicron variant, and now we have to wait and see, which is why the market experienced an uncertainty event last week. We have to wait and see, does this slow things down? Does this, is there trepidation amongst workers for coming back? Do businesses see a drop off in demand in the services sector? Again, based on comments from the president, it does not look like there is uh, a willingness to do that. Doesn't mean some people won't elect to do it, particularly those that are immunocompromised, those, you know, those are their you know, experience of cancer treatment or anything like that, uh, who would probably be well advised to stay home and not participate in um, services side of economic activity uh, is likely what we think is going to happen here in the United States. Okay, so that was the big week for economic data. This is a slower week, nothing really today. Uh, trade deficit Tuesday, consumer credit, the JOLTS report on Wednesday, weekly claims, wholesale inventories, CPI on Friday, and then the following week we'll get the PPI. Um, that might be big. I think watching more for Fed comment and commentary this week is pretty uh, important. So thanks for tuning in. We will talk to you again, of course, next week.